Hello, everyone. Welcome back, and thank you for joining us on the Live Unreal with Glover U podcast, where every week Jeff Glover and his coaches will dive deep into questions that you are asking. They understand the challenges you're facing on a day-to-day basis and still work every day on the front lines of real estate, with Jeff and his team closing over a 1,000 homes per year. In today's episode, we're talking about winning with wealth. Jeff shares what you need in order to start building wealth through real estate investing, as well as what it takes to start adding multiple streams of income. This is incredibly valuable information, especially in our current market. Now, let's hear from Jeff. All right, all right, all right. Welcome, everybody. It is week two of the winter webinar series, and we've got a brand new one for you today. Of course, all of these are either new or they've been updated. We have a lot of repeat people that come back each and every season and say, hey, you guys did this one last year and I got so much more out of it this year because even if we repeat a topic, we're always going through and updating our information based on what's happening in the market and happening in the industry right now. By the way, my name is Jeff Glover. I'm from Detroit, Michigan. I've been listing and selling real estate now for 20 years this May, if you can believe that or not. For those that are on for the first time, and quite frankly, for those of you that are joining us from all over North America, do us a favor, throw down in the chat where you're from. And if you're a first timer, note that first timer, throw that in the chat by just saying your first name, your last name, where you're from, and that you're a first timer. We love seeing all of our first timers on. And if you're a repeat, if you're coming back for more, we love having you on. Make sure we know where you're from as well. City, state, province, if you're coming from Canada, make sure to throw that down in there in the chat as well. Real brief for those of those of our first timers that are on, because I know we always have anywhere from 20 to 25% of our audience is brand new, first time to Glover U. For those that aren't familiar, uh, Glover U is a, we, we, we jokingly call it a non-denominational training and coaching organizations, which means essentially we're broker agnostic. We have agents and, and brokers and owners and team leaders and lead agents from all franchises, from independents all over North America. So we're for everyone in terms of that. For those that don't know, I'm on the ground with you as well, listing and selling between 85 and 100 homes per year myself. Personally, I've averaged over 100 sales a year over the last decade, each and every year. And our team here in Michigan sells between 900 and 1,000 homes. In fact, last year, we did 944 units for 240 million in volume. So uh, I share that not to impress you, but to make sure you are aware of the difference between what we're doing here at Glover U versus everywhere else. All of our coaches are in the field in this particular topic, in the trenches of investing uh, or in the field of listing and selling real estate. And therefore, you're not following a company, you're not following a program, you're not following a head coach that did something really impressive 10 years ago. We're in this today. We're in it with you. And I hope that you recognize that is one of the biggest differences between us and the rest, because we know you have a lot of options today. That's for sure. All right, let's shift gears a little bit. We're talking today. Wealth, which is a conversation that, quite honestly, we haven't spent a lot of time on. And, you know, I, I think there's probably two reasons for that. And, and Matt will share with us his opinion as well. I, I can't wait to hear it. Um, we are known for taking real estate salespeople and turning them into top producers. We are known for taking uh, agents that work with buyers and helping them become better with buyers. We are known for taking people that are great listing agents and helping them become better with sellers. We are known for taking people that want to go from a salesperson to a CEO, from a salesperson to leading a brokerage. We're good at that. We're also good at wealth and building wealth. We just haven't shared a lot of that with the public. 
And so we've decided moving forward that we're doing our customers, we're doing our clients a disservice by not talking about this more. So I hope you're okay with this type of a topic. If you're okay with this type of topic, just go ahead and throw 777 down in your chat. That'll give us an indication whether we should continue this stuff or not. You want us to keep talking more about wealth building and adding revenue streams? Just throw 777 down in the chat. We want to see if you are interested in us continuing these conversations. And if you are, we promise we'll bring you the value. Now, I want to make a mention about the chat because I'm seeing a lot of send us to, to panelists. Make sure when you're sending anything out today during today's webinar, because we'll end right at the top of the hour, when you're commenting or messaging anything, make sure you're changing your uh, send from right now it, it defaults to panelists only. Send to everyone, change that to everyone. So if ever you want to say who you are, where you're from, if you send it just to us, only the two or three of us are going to see it, meaning me, Matt, and and, and uh, Taylor behind the scenes who's running today's webinar. So make sure you're changing when you're chatting, when you're using the chat feature, change it to everyone, not just panelists. All right, Matt. So we got a great topic today and you can see, we can see all the 777s coming in. So good, we're in the right room, right? We showed up with the right topic today. And this particular topic I know is a passionate one for you because since I met you, for those that don't know, uh, Matt and I first met because he was essentially my boss when I became a new broker. And when I became a new broker, I was adding an additional real, I was adding an additional revenue stream. You know, I had I had what I believed mastered the sales game and had an opportunity to add another another revenue stream, which was owning real estate brokerages. And Matt was the one that taught me how to do that. Matt was the one that taught me how to recruit and how to train and have conversations with team leaders and find talents and so forth. And so aside from that, why was Matt qualified to do that? Well, because he was doing that stuff on his own long before we had even met. And of course, investing in other real estate and, and other related revenue streams related to real estate. And so I can't wait to dig in. And Matt, I'll have you take it away. Awesome, Jeff. Thanks for having me on today. And I know when we started talking about this and really crafting the vision six months ago, uh, I think between you, Kate and I, I, we were recognizing like there's this there's this gap in our industry where we're teaching people how to how to go build a lot of cash. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. But there's almost no training in our industry that says, well, what do you actually do with that cash? What, what do you actually do with it to maximize it? And so we wanted to have that wealth building conversation and in typical Jeff Glover fashion. You know, I always joke with them on this. Um, he says, all right, Matt, you're, you're known for wealth creation. Come teach us everything, you know, in 40 minutes. Right. <laughs> and, and that doesn't work. So we're not, you know, exactly. We're going to go. Um, it, we're probably going to go broad today rather than deep, because the reality is we could go deep in any of these concepts. But we want to introduce you to as many different things as we can. But let's start. Why in the world would we even want to have a conversation around wealth? I mean, we're in the greatest real estate market that's ever existed. Quite frankly, it's not that hard to sell even a decent number of homes right now. So why would we shift the conversation to wealth? And, and I can tell you, I'm very passionate about this conversation. To me, wealth is freedom with a capital F. It's freedom. It's freedom. And, and the problem is in our industry, um, and really, quite frankly, just in American culture and, and probably in Canadian culture, I can't speak as intelligently on that. But at least in American culture, a lot of us make the mistake of believing that somehow our wealth is primarily dictated by how much income we make in active pursuit. Meaning every time I sell a home and I get a commission, somehow that is actually dictating what my net worth is. And the reality, that's actually a misnomer. The reality is our income can be an accelerator of wealth, but think about it for like this. If I make a million dollars in net income next year, 
And yet I spend $1.5 million on personal expenses. Guess what? I made a million dollars, but my net worth is actually $500,000 in the hole. So we have to think of active income as an accelerator. It is absolutely uh, um, uh, something that can add some bandwidth to it, but it by itself is not actually what determines our net worth. In fact, here in a few minutes, I'm going to blow your mind when I'm going to show where you could make actually way less active income and still generate significantly more net income. Now, Jeff, we were talking about this at the summit just in, in kind of an offline session. Uh, and we we're saying even in today's market, even in today's market, I, I was pulling the stats. What is the average net worth of a realtor in today's market. And I remember sharing this with just a few people. You ready for that number? I'm going to share it again with you, Jeff, and you already know this. It is zero. It is zero. Right now, the average net worth, I want you to hear that, for realtors across this country is zero. Are there people that are building wealth in our industry? Absolutely. They know what they're doing and they're, and they're making the strategic decisions. Yet even right now where cash is coming in like crazy, most realtors are still living somewhat paycheck to paycheck, but if nothing else, they're obligated with huge debt burdens, huge credit card, huge credit card burdens. And right now, average net worth is zero. So well, you're taking into consideration those that have net worth, of course, that that is a small percentage, but they might have a lot of net worth. Yep. But the, there's such a bigger group of people that are negative net worth and it just cancels it all out. And makes it it, That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So the question is, is do we want to be average or do we want to be in that small group that's really taking the cash they're generating and creating uh, long term net worth? And so here's my definition of wealth. And by the way, you can you can choose to embrace this or not. That's totally fine with me. But my definition of wealth is basically having enough passive income coming in every single month that I could fund my, my lifestyle. Whatever my deserve, desired lifestyle costs a certain amount of money per month to be able to fund it. If I can bring in passive income that covers that, then to me, that's the epitome of wealth. So many of us fall into this trap and we think, well, you're only wealthy if you have a certain amount of net worth, but it's not. Remember, money is a tool. Money is a tool that can fund our life. If we have a certain lifestyle that we're comfortable with and happy with, and we can fund that, guess what? By every definition, to me, that would be the epitome of wealth. That would be the epitome of wealth. So here's the challenge then. The challenge is most of us are out there in the field thinking every day, how do I go sell another home? How do I go sell another home? How do I sell go sell another home? And again, we can make a lot of cash and that cash can fund our life. But Jeff, what happens if you get hurt? What happens if you get sick? What happens if Oh, you and you and I've been in the industry a long time. The market tanks and all of a sudden it's not as easy to make as much cash as we once were. Understand our income goes down. Guess what happens? The quality of our life goes down. Our lifestyle goes down accordingly if we haven't actually taken that cash and, 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 and turned it into wealth. So for me, the idea is passive income coming in that funds our life. To me, that's wealth. And then by definition, if I have that wealth and guess what? I have freedom, which I talked about a second ago with the capital F. And now here's the cool part. And if, if for those of you guys that follow Glover U religiously and, and you understand the live unreal formula, then you'll, you'll get this here because part of the live unreal formula is our why or our purpose. When we have freedom, we get to live our purpose at the highest level. Because when we have freedom, guess what? Here's, here's how I think of it. We don't have to work anymore. We get to work. We get to work on what we want. And Jeff, I know I know you and I, it doesn't matter how much money we're, we're going to make, we're going to be working forever because that's just, we're passionate about it, right? We, we are driven to have impact through our work. But imagine what that work looks like when you don't have to make any money on it. 
you just get to do what you're passionate about to serve other people or to fulfill which whatever. Means, which means then you become more effective because when you're when you're in that in that type of a state, your your happiness goes up. And read any book, study anything on psychology. The happier you are. The happier you feel, the more effective you are. And that's why, and this is a whole other subject, but that's why there's a lot of gurus out there and there's a lot of books written about getting to a state of happiness before you go do anything. Because then once you go out on your listing appointments or when you go out on your prospecting appointments, when you've got that feeling, you're going to be more effective. And this wealth building and, and what Matt's talking about Trust me when I tell you, we'll give you a lot of those fuzzies. <laughs> yeah, there's no question. Well, it's freedom, right? It's freedom. And, and that that to me is happiness. Um, so let me give you seven principles real quick on the uh, on wealthy. And, and I could spend hours on this and I'm not going to because we're limited on time. But the reality is today we do a disservice to our high school kids across the country. We are not teaching them how to think about money. And most of us did not grow up in environments where we learned how to think about money. I know, Jeff, but both you and I did not grow up in an environment where we were taught about how to think of the power of money and building wealth and the freedom that could come from it. We've had to learn it um, through other sources. But I want to give you seven principles to start uh, of how the wealthy think. All right. So just take a listen to this. First is wealthy people choose to get paid based on results. Poor people get uh, people choose to get paid based on time results over time. Now, if you've heard me speak, one of the things I talk about a lot is in our organizations, part of our culture is if you've got two people doing the same function, so they basically have the same role and, and they're doing the same duties and it takes one person eight hours to finish the duty and one person two hours to finish the duty, which one gets paid more? The answer is they get paid the same because they're getting paid for the result they're driving, not time on task. And there's a there's a fundamental flaw sometimes in American culture that says I should be rewarded based on how long I work on something or how many hours I put into it. And that's a very poor person. By the way, I'm not being disparaging by poor. I'll actually I'll clarify that in a second. But that's a poor person mentality. The wealthy think about how do I drive results that are going to generate as, as much results as I want. Now, I saw in the chat to repeat it. So it says wealthy people choose to get paid based on results. Poor people choose to get paid based on time. The next, wealthy people think both. Poor people think either or. See, wealthy people don't think of what do I have to give up? They instead say, how do I get what I want? Wealthy people think both. Poor people think either or. Wealthy people focus on their net worth. Poor people focus on their working income. I'm going to hit that one a little bit harder here in just a second. Next, wealthy people manage their money well. Poor people mismanage their money well. That's a huge one right there. Fifth, wealthy people have their money work hard for them. I want to say that again. Uh, wealthy people have their money work hard for them. Poor people work hard for their money. Here's the reality. We get to work hard and that certainly can create money, but the wealthy people understand that they can then take that money and that is going to is going to give them the power they're looking for. And I and I know we're going fast and I know you're scribbling down notes and I appreciate that. And again, Jeff said, I want you to take oh, 30, 35 hours of content and, and dilute it down to 40 minutes. So we are going to go kind of kind of quickly here. So bear with me a little bit. So everyone will get the recording, but let's yeah, let's take it yeah. from. Take it from the top real quick. Go through yep. one, one through yep. four or five. Real quick. Wealthy people choose to get paid based on results. Poor people choose to get paid based on time. Number two. That's number one. Wealthy people think both. Poor people think either or. Wealthy people focus on their net worth. Poor people focus on their working income. 
Number four, wealthy people manage their money well. Poor people mismanage their money well. Number five, wealthy people have their money work hard for them. Poor people work hard for their money. All right, last two, last two. And this is a, this is a big one here. This is a huge one. In fact, this, this one right here is the reason most people are not building wealth is because wealthy people act in spite of their fear. Poor people let their fear stop them. I want to explain that a little bit. Wealthy people act in spite of fear. Poor people let their fear stop them. It is not abnormal when you start the wealth building journey to have fear. The first time you buy an investment property or an asset or you invest in something, it is normal to have fear. I would actually be worried if you didn't have a little bit of fear. The difference is wealthy people act in spite of it. Having fear does not mean it doesn't make sense to do it. It is acting in spite of it. Poor people let their fear actually stop them from taking that move. And the last one, wealth, and you guys are already living this right here. Wealthy people constantly learn and grow. Poor people, they think they already know, Jeff. They think they already have the answers. So those are the seven. Let's go quickly here. I'm going to share, share a slide here to kind of help with this concept. A question kind of for the audience as you're thinking through it is, why do we so often defer starting wealth building? In other words, why have we not started that journey now? And I'm going to share my screen real quick, so bear with me. All right, hopefully you can see my screen on here. And here's why most of us stop or do not start the wealth building journey until, I don't want to say it's too late because it's never too late, but why we start it so much later than we should. And it has to do, do with the idea of understanding the difference between urgency and importance. And I want to imagine in, you, in your life, everything you could potentially do is going to fall into one of four buckets, one of four buckets, all right? So there are those things that are both urgent and important, meaning it's got to get done and it's got to get done now. By the way, very few things fall into this category. I'll give you an example. If, if, if my oldest daughter were to fall and you know maybe get a gash on her head that needed immediate stitches or something, that would be urgent and important. Most yeah. things do not actually fall into this category. All right. The next is things that are urgent, yet not important. I'll give you an example. Uh, seller calls you and they're, they're really upset because the, the property flyer that's sitting inside their house <laughs> doesn't meet their standard, right? It's inside their house as if anybody's ever sold a home because of the flyer inside the house, all right? That would be urgent, but not actually important. They're upset, but it's not actually important. Sure. The third are things that are important and not urgent. Oh, I don't know, Jeff, you'll appreciate this one. Things like lead generating, mm -hmm. important and not urgent, Why? right? Which is why it's so easy to defer. I'll just get to it tomorrow. That's okay, I was busy today. I know it's important, but you know, it's not urgent. And in the last category are things that are neither urgent nor important. Now, here's the reality when it comes to wealth building. As we think through these four boxes, and I would ask this question if we were in a, in a setting where we could interact a little bit more, I'd say, okay, well, of these four buckets, which one should we act on first? And everyone would get the answer right. And, and we do the things that are urgent and important. That would be the bucket. And then I'd ask the next question. It's almost just as easy. I'd say, okay, of the three remaining buckets, which bucket should we do last or probably not at all? And almost all of us would get the right answer. The things that are neither urgent nor important, I would argue there makes no sense to do, do any of them ever, let alone last. But here's the rub. If I were to then say of the two boxes you see on your screen, which one should we do next? If given enough time, most people will get the right answer. The problem is they will actually act differently. And it's because the brain is actually wired that way. See, if you were to get the right answer, you would know that the next bucket we do are the things that are important and not urgent. 
But most of us will actually do the things that are urgent and not not important because the triggers that that hit the where the uh, the sense of urgency is triggered in the brain is in the exact same place as the fight or flight mechanism, which means we have something that's urgent that's thrown at us like that seller saying, I cannot believe you put this property flyer inside my house. This is not up to my standards. We know it's not important, but it's urgent and it triggers that fight or flight and it releases a hormonal response and we get into action. That's what's keeping people from building wealth. Because see, we wake up on any given day, I got to sell a listing, I got to sell a listing, I got to sell a listing. So we spend all of our time on that. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with it. That's great. Problem is building wealth. It's not urgent. Oh, I'll get to it tomorrow. I'll start looking at investment properties tomorrow. Or I'll start doing my homework on such and such investment opportunity next week. It's not urgent because it doesn't bring us the tangible results in the moment that taking a listing and getting it sold does, right? It's almost instant gratification. Whereas wealth building is a long-term thing. That's what's keeping most of us from actually going on that journey. So here's my question for you, all right? People always come to me and say like, well, okay, well, I, I get that, Matt. Um, but if I want to build massive wealth, and I know I, that what that means is that, you know, I've got, to, I've got to understand that dichotomy. What do I need to do first? So if I want to build massive wealth, all right, you ready for this? If you want to build massive wealth, the easiest thing, the thing you have to do before you have massive wealth, are you ready? is you've got to have lots of wealth. Wait, what? Yeah, if you want to make massive wealth, the easiest way to get to massive wealth is to have lots of wealth to start with. Okay, well, then, then my question is, okay, if I want to have lots of wealth, what do I need to do to get to lots of wealth? Well, you've got to have a decent amount of wealth. See, see, you can't get to lots of wealth until you have decent amounts of wealth. All right, got it. So well, what, do, what do I need to do to get decent amounts of wealth? Well, you got to have an average amount of wealth. And to get to average, of course, you got to have some wealth. And I can't get to some wealth until I have a little wealth. And how do I get to a little wealth? I got to start. See, most of us think that wealth building is just going to happen automatically. And, and yet we're trying to figure out this magic formula that if I just if I do something today, I'm going to have massive wealth tomorrow. And it doesn't work like that. The key to building massive wealth is to just start. Now, I'm going to talk about that here a little bit later, areas where you can start to actually go on that journey, but it just takes starting. What's the old adage? If you want to, uh, uh, if you want to plant an oak tree, when's the best time? Well, it's 20 years ago. But if you want to build, if you want to plant an oak tree, what's the second best time today, right? Make the commitment to go on that wealth building journey. You'll go through that cycle of very little, some average, decent lots, and then massive, but it all just, it starts with making a commitment to start. All right, so step one, um, here's the reality for those of us that wanna go on the wealth building journey. And by the way, I know I know statistically, Jeff, you and I are in the field so often with, with agents, we know statistically what it looks like for, for many real estate agents financially. Listen, I'm telling you right now, even if you are in significant, death, uh, significant debt, uh, wealth is not out of your reach. But the first thing we have to do is just get stock of where we are. We have to take a reality check. I've coached so many agents that are in massive death. And guess what? They just put their head in the sand and they pretend like if I just ignore it, it'll go away or somehow I'm going to hustle my way out of it. And there is some truth to that. You can hustle your way out of it. But the, 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 the taking stock of where we are, getting reality of where we are is the first step. And what that means is it starts with uh, creating a personal budget and a net worth tracker. Right. I want you to write that down. Start starts with a personal budget and a net worth tracker. And guess what? That gets updated every single week and month. A personal budget and a net worth tracker. We've got to know where we are at. We've got to know where we are at. All right. So let's go back to the slides. And once we've taken stock of reality. 
let's talk about what are the next steps. All right, cool. So question for you, when it comes to when it comes to building wealth, when it comes to building wealth now, Jeff, what I'm going to say right here is a little controversial. And, and the reason I say it's controversial is because I wouldn't necessarily sit, share the same information um, if I was talking to uh, a, a field of employees. So employees, and I'm going to I'm going to say everybody in this call is not an employee, right? You're you're a business owner to a certain extent. Even if you're a standalone agent, you own your standalone agent business. And so, why I'm saying that it's a little bit controversial is because it may not be the messaging you've heard from other gurus, gurus that I respect and think are dead on and not necessarily applicable to our field. But here's the question: If we want to go build wealth, which is more important, maximizing our income? or reducing our personal expenses, maximizing our income or reducing our personal expenses. Now I'm going to say they're one A and one B because I just said a second ago, we've got to get stock of reality. We've got to put together a personal budget so that we are managing our expenses. And then we also know we need, need to grow our income, but which is more important. This is a really fundamental thing to understand, especially for those of us in the entrepreneurial space. Well, here's the truth. Let's look at scenario one where we're going to focus on minimizing expenses. So I want you to imagine a scenario where a person makes 100000 in income and their lifestyle is funded at 50000 in expenses. Well, what, what, how, how much money is left over at the end of the year? Well, $50,000 net. Now, here's the question for you. Let's say that we wanted to focus on minimizing expenses. I think I can live off less than 50000 well, Jeff, what is the what is the smallest amount you could get those expenses to? Do you have, do you have, do you have a, a guess there? I'm putting you on the spot. What's this? If if I try to cut everything, what's the lowest my expenses could ever be? And it's not even it's not even possible. Well, it would be. I mean, if 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 I'm trying, I mean, be zero. Like one. Yeah, that's exactly right. You yeah. see, you can't have negative expenses, right? So the best you're going to be able to do is to get from fifty thousand down to zero. Well, here's the rub. Here's the problem with that is that in this scenario, I can never have more than 100,000 net because I'm focusing on our expenses. You may have heard the, uh, the expression that you, you can't cut coupons to prosperity. No one's ever became a billionaire because their strategy was to cut every coupon. There's nothing wrong with cutting coupons. It by itself won't get there because you can only get your expenses to zero, which means your, your kind of your net income or your net amount of money at the end of the year is going to be limited to the amount of money you have bringing into your bank account. Instead, yeah. imagine a scenario where we're actually focused on maximizing income. So in this case, we've driven business to where now we're at 200,000 in income, but we've kept our quality of living the same. This is really important in, in wealth building is that we manage our expenses. Remember, the, 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 the truth about the wealthy is that they are able to live like no one can because they first lived like no one else would. Let me say that again. The wealthy are able to live like no one else can because they first were able to live like no one else would. So in this and case, by the way, yeah, I was go just going to add to that. And that doesn't necessarily mean like, you know, uh, people talk about Warren Buffett still lives in like his three bedroom ranch in, in, in Omaha. Uh, what, what Matt's referring to there is most people, meaning like 99.9% .9 of the population, as their income grows, so does their lifestyle. And that discipline to keep your lifestyle the same as the income grows is the secret sauce, right? That's what you're referring to, Matt, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. That doesn't mean your lifestyle can't increase. What it, what, what's critical is that our lifestyle does not increase in the same proportion as our Bingo. income going Bingo. in, right? Yeah, so in you this can case, upgrade the car, you can upgrade the house, you can upgrade some things. There's no doubt about it, but it, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be matching the whole way up. Otherwise, you'll have nothing left over. Yeah, and I'm actually going to show you, Jeff, here in a second. It actually gets worse. It's not matching. It's usually the, the reverse, but we'll get to that in just a second. But notice in this case, I haven't cut expenses at all in this scenario. 
The expenses are exactly the same, but because I increased my income, look at what my net is. My net automatically goes up. So yes, calibrating expenses is super, super critical, but you cannot save your way to prosperity. We have to figure out how to grow that income level. All right, so let's take stock a little bit um, and, and let's kind of get the idea of how people think about money. And uh, the first way I want to show you is how, pe how poor people think of money. When I'm saying poor, I'm not necessarily meaning uh, the amount of money. By the way, um, an uneducated lottery winner who just got $10 million in lottery winnings would still qualify for here. But here's how the quote unquote poor uh, treat money is basically they have earned income, they've earned income. So earned income means from a job, from something they're actively participating in. And they make a certain amount of money every month. And then because they're quote unquote poor, they, they, there's probably nothing left over other than what they can cover for their expenses. So they make a certain amount of income, then they have rent, they have a car payment, they have utilities, they have food, you know, just the general basics. And every month they spend just about whatever they make. But here's the reality. Notice, because they don't make a whole lot of income, they can't qualify for credit. They can't go buy uh, an expensive home. They can't go buy an expensive car. And so at the end of the day, it's almost a wash. They end every month pretty much at zero. All right. Here's the question, though, and this is what we're not teaching high school kids across America. Are they actually the poorest? The people that we think are poor, are they actually the poorest? Well, let's explore a little bit. Let's explore. Think about um, think about what the reality is these days around uh, kind of the American. Excuse me, I'm trying to fix my screen so people can see it. That's all right. Um, oops, sorry about that. All right. So, so society basically classifies people that if they're below middle uh, middle class, they we 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 classify them people based on their income, not their net worth. So we say if they're making. I'm making up a number, $60,000 or more, they qualify as middle, middle class. If they make less than $40,000, they qualify as lower class. And the reality is income is not a determiner. It is your net worth. See, in that example I just went through, notice the poor have no liabilities. What that means is they have no debt. They have absolutely no debt. The challenge is in the so-called middle class um, is, that, is that they have debt. And I'm going to show you that in just a second. But see, the poor, they may break even every month. They may have nothing left over to spend, but they are one or two small tweaks that they can just simply increase their income a little bit. If they can go from thirty-five dollars to $40,000 in income, yet keep the same expenses, guess what? They now have $5,000 that they can start applying to be able to build wealth. Except that we've told people getting to the middle class is what they should aspire to, right? It's this idea. It's this idea of the American dream is to go to school, get good grades, and then find a safe, secure job and work hard at it. Well, here's what happens financially. This is what we're not realizing is that these people are making an earned income. And in many cases, it could be a great income. I mean, these people could be making $200,000 a year. And of course, they have expenses. And as Jeff was just talking about, their income goes up because these people are often college educated. Uh, they, they've got career advancement opportunities. So their income is going up and their lifestyle is, 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 is uh, correlating with that. But because they make so much income, guess what? The credit card companies love them. Say, hey, listen, you know, someday you're going to get another raise. So why don't you just go ahead and why don't we just front the money with the credit card? Just put $50,000 onto a credit card because don't worry, your salary will go up in a few years and you'll be okay. And this is where most of what we think to be the, the ideal spot to be, this middle-class America, this is what most middle-class people look like. By the way, this is what most real estate agents look like is that they're making good income. They've got correlating expenses, right? Because we got to keep up with the Joneses. We got to impress that client. We've got to have the brand new car, or we certainly would want to buy a second car before we buy a second home. I want you to rehear that. 
we would buy a second car before we would buy a second home, right? We would take out a, a, a loan on a car, a non-appreciating asset. We would have that liability with no ability to actually make income, right? And so as their income grows and they get more and more promotions, they buy nicer houses, they buy nicer cars, which only locks them in more and more and more debt. Here's part of the premise of what we're going to be working through in this class. And so I want you to understand it, it, it philosophically is that we're working to become the cash flow patterns of the emerging wealthy. Now, emerging wealthy does not mean that you have freedom yet. In this case, the emerging wealthy, they still earn most of their income through their active participation, through their earned income, by selling houses. They, that's still how they make most of their living. But here's what it looks like. In this case, what happens is they take their income and yes, they still have expenses. But as Jeff was talking about a little bit earlier, is that their expenses are not rising at the same ratio as their income. And so they're making a certain amount. They're spending half of that on expenses and they're deploying the rest of it into assets. And guess what? It's at this point that now you're on the wealth building journey because those assets on a monthly basis are now starting to produce a little bit of passive income, a little bit of passive income. Now, the cool thing is, what can you do with that passive income when you're starting the wealth building journey? You can deploy it back into buying more assets that increase your passive income. And we're going to we're going to be talking about that here a little bit uh, later on as we as we progress into the class. All right. So here's the reality is that a financial wealthy person is someone who has accumulated accumulated the financial wealth that delivers. Listen to this. The passive income necessary to be able to fulfill their personal life mission without requiring any unearned, any earned active income. Now, I told you I would talk about what if you were making less income? What would that look like? Maybe you're thinking, um, well, I don't know if I ever make enough money to ever be wealthy, or I don't want to work that hard. Like, it's awesome that Jeff Glover sells all those homes. I don't want to work like Jeff Glover. Okay, well, that's fine. That's totally your choice. It's your life. But look at this example right here. Is it a 25-year-old? who makes $40,000 a year, okay? 25-year-old 20, uh, makes $40,000 a year and puts 300 into a retirement plan each month that gives them 8% interest. And listen to this, they never get a raise. They never get a raise. They work for 30 years from 25 to 55 and they never get a raise. Probably not, not a realistic example. But in even in this scenario, if they were to work for 30 years at $40,000 a year under these circumstances, they would have earned enough money to live off, of, off that same income for the next 29 years of your life. Did you see that? In this example, they worked for 30 years to be able to fund another 29 years with no drop-off in the quality of life. Income is an accelerator of net worth, but in and itself is not the determiner. It is not the determiner. So now let's look at the cash flow pattern of the wealthy. Now, in this case, this is the freedom spot because in this case, now all of their income is passive. Now, you could be like Jeff and I, and we're never going to stop working because we absolutely love it. But now we get to go fulfill our, our purpose because our passive income is covering all of our expenses because of the assets we own that are kicking out that monthly return. Imagine what your life looks like when you get to that part. Now, let's have a broad conversation because this is a wealth building class. Here's one of the real challenges of the real estate business. What are the real challenges? I often, when I'm teaching wealth building seminars, I say, okay, well, what are the pros and cons, or what are the advantages and the disadvantages of owning a real estate business compared to maybe other, other wealth building vehicles? Well, here's the truth real estate is a high income potential, right? Think every time you sell a home, you get a really large commission check. The beauty of our business, the beauty of our business 
is that we can make an incredible amount of cash really quickly. In fact, Jeff, I don't know of any other industry in which it takes almost no capital investment to get started that you can make such a large income and and uh, and that quickly. Yeah. But here's the challenge. I always then say, okay, as your real estate business, and I'm specifically talking to, to people that run teams or maybe they're solo practitioners, is your real estate business an asset? And usually when I ask that class, I say, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a business. It's a business. And I say, okay, was it an asset? How do you define an asset? Well, to me, I define an asset as someone that has residual value, meaning I could actually sell that asset and receive a return. And here's just the deep, dark secret. For the most part, for the most part, your real estate business has no sellable value. And if it does, it's minimal. In fact, yeah. uh, some of you guys know Steve Murray, the, the head of Real Trends, and he would typically say for, for a really solid business, you could maybe sell that business for what you would make in one year's profit. So if your business made $400,000 in profit, that's the high end of what you could sell it for. And that's for a good business. Yeah. Because what you own are relationships. And the problem is I can't tangibly pass the relationships on to someone else, at least not very easily. So what we have to understand is the real estate business makes a lot of cash, but it's all driven by can we actively continue to do it? If we get sick, if we get hurt, if the market tanks, we're in real trouble. We no longer have the ability to drive the same amount of income. So what we have to do is understand we've got to get that, we've got to get that cash deployed into other assets. So yeah, our goal then, yeah, our goal is to take all that cash that we're making and deploy it into other businesses or hard assets. That's where the opportunity is, is for wealth. It means we have to reduce our consumptive uh, lifestyle and deploy it. Now, um, I don't know about, about you, Jeff, um, what industry are, are you in? Not a trick question. I'm in sales. Yeah, you're in sales. Absolutely. And what specifically do you sell? Primarily, I know you're in several different businesses. Sure, real estate. Real estate, absolutely. So I don't know. I, I've always I've always come to this adage that well, uh, people say, well, Matt, what do you invest in? I'm saying, well, I invest in what I know. I invest in what I know. By the way, investing in things we don't know is called speculation. So my general rule of thumb, if you want to ask me my investment philosophy, is I'm only investing in something I believe I have a competitive advantage in. If I don't have a competitive competitive advantage in it. I'm speculating and I may win. Yep. I also may lose. Now, by the way, you saw, uh, and I'm not poo-pooing cri cryptocurrency. I think there's massive opportunity in cryptocurrency. I don't personally invest in cryptocurrency because I don't have a competitive advantage. And there's plenty of people that made gazillions of dollars and they're all over social media saying, hey, watch what I did. I can teach you too. But no, there's just as many people that lost money because they didn't have a competitive advantage. Unfortunately, they're not on social media saying, hey, I lost a million dollars last month. Follow me and I'll show you exactly how I did it. The truth is, if I don't have a competitive advantage, I'm not doing it. So why would we invest in real estate? Because we know it better than anybody else, right? Think about this for a second. We have a huge market information advantage in the real estate space. You, you have more access to information than anyone. Why would we not be investing in real estate? Next, real estate, the beauty of it is that it's a leverage advantage. We can get rich off of other people's money. How easy is it to get a mortgage, right? In other words, I'm taking other people's money. I don't, if I want to go buy a $400,000 investment property, I don't have to write a check for $400,000. I get to use leverage other people's money. Next, it has a huge cash flow advantage. There's very few investments where you could get a cash flow return every single month from month one. I can rent that place out. I can make cash month one. And guess what? I can take that cash and I can go deploy it into the next, the next vehicle. Next, the debt down pay advantage, right? In other words, if I've got tenants and whatever my real estate is, they're literally paying off my debt. I don't have to write a check at any point during the, during the uh, month. 
they're paying the debt for me. Next, the appreciation advantage. Here's the truth. We we, we live in a, a really wild market right now. We understand appreciation is going gangbusters. That will change. At some point, we will have a shift. That's inevitable. That's just part of, part of the economic cycles. And yet, even when we go in the shift, Jeff, this is what they're going to say, because we, we lived in the last shift. Oh, oh, real estate's dangerous. Oh, you're going to lose your shirt. It, uh, the market's it's not stable. But we know, Jeff, we've seen the data. Real estate always goes up over the long term. Always, well, always, always. Well, and if you were to compare it to the compare it to the to stocks, for instance, take, you know, if 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 Ford stock goes down to zero or a buck, then chances are the dividends are going down as well. Where real estate, even if the value is cut in half, right? You were around in 2009, 2010, 2011, values were down 50, 60% nationwide. Everyone was talking about how much they were losing in their portfolios and so forth. And it was a real thing. But you know what didn't drop? The revenues from the monthly rents, no matter what the value of the real estate is, the revenues from the monthly rents still stayed the same during that era. In fact, some markets went up because so many people were, were facing foreclosure, could not qualify to go get a mortgage. The de- demand for renting actually increased, which drive which drove rental prices up. So even if you know, because uh, people get concerned about, you know, like you said, yes, over time, it's, you know, if you look back over the last 50 years, it's gone up, there's no doubt. Yep. But if, if people are looking at the last 10 or 15, you can see it went up, and it went down, and it went up. Don't yep. worry about when it goes down, because it will go down for a period of time. But the rental revenue that comes off of that will stay the same or potentially increase. And I think that's really important to point out, because I think a lot of to your point in the very beginning, people have fear that stops them from investing for that reason. And they yep. forget that no matter what market we're in, that asset is still generating revenue per month. And if the market is down, the revenue might actually go up per month. That's exactly right. I love it. I love it. Let's keep going. That's awesome. So uh, the other, other beauty of real estate is we get a tax advantage. The government wants you to own real estate and there are tax advantages that come from it. And then last, we get what's called a depreciation benefit or um, what I like to really talk about a lot, and we're not going to be able to go deep into it today, is cost segregation. Now, for those of you that are familiar with cost segregation, um, I hope it's changed your life as much as it's changed mine. Uh, but cost segregation is a tactic that we can employ that often can get our taxable income down into the single digits percentage-wise, or maybe as low as zero. It's a it's a it's a it's a strategy that that great people that build wealth utilize to be able to offset a lot of their income. It's very little known, um, and yet it's probably one of the most powerful mechanisms. We get that through real estate. It's one of the few vehicles where we can actually get such a huge tax incentive to do it. Now, I want everybody to walk away with value. So people say, well, if you have to sum up buying real estate and investing, what's the single most important principle? Here's my easy rule of thumb. If you learn nothing else and you want to invest in real estate, here's the thing. Buy the dumpiest building in the nicest area. Buy the dumpiest building in the nicest area. Here's here's why. Because when the market is down, there's very low risk because people will always want to move into a nice area, right? Location, location, location. They want to be in a nice area. So there's very, very little risk in the down market. And in the good market, there's a high yield because it's probably the most affordable property in that area. So if I want to get in there and the market's going up, the only way I want to be able to to, to qualify to get in there is to buy the dumpiest building. All right, a couple more things. Um, Here's six key money mistakes that most people make. And I'm going to go through these relatively quickly. Um, and by the way, everyone's getting a recording of this too. So if you go, if you feel like we're going too fast, Matt, don't worry. Everyone's going to get a recording of it. 
Hey, you know me, I'm, I'm fast. And again, trying to truncate a lot of information. But the first big mistake is consumptive lifestyle. They, they, people are purchasing depreciating assets. They're getting the nicer car or they're buying a boat. By the way, great. I like nice cars. I like boats. That's fantastic. But they're doing in the wrong order. They're doing the wrong order. The rich understand, hey, I'm not actually going to buy that second car. I'm not going to buy that boat till I've at least bought the second house, the house that can start to be able to provide enough passive income to then be able to uh, afford those things. Second, this is a big one, guys. Hear me on this. No financial goals, or at least they're not quantified. Most people I ask what their goal is, their wealth building goal, and they said, I want to make a lot of money. I'm like, okay, tell me more. What is that number? We've got to have a number in mind so that we know how we can actually afford the lifestyle that we're looking to go. And, and, and by the way, with no goal, how do we even know how to get there? Third is they have no personal budget. They're making Matt, spending. I, 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 sorry, sorry. I just want to add to the no financial yeah. goals, right? To your point, so many people are focused on units and volume and GCI commissions. And that's fine. I get it. We're wired as salespeople to look at that. Uh, but what Matt's talking about is what are your wealth goals? And a, and a simple question that you could ask, and it doesn't even really relate to investing in a different revenue stream, but a really great question to look at every year, which is something that I've done for years, Matt, is how much do I want to have in the bank at the end of the year? When I finish 2021, how much do I want to be sitting on? When I finish 2022, how much do I want to be sitting on? And of course, there's other goals along the way in terms of what other revenue streams to add and what other businesses to invest my time in. But I also want to know at the end of 2022, how much do I want to have in the bank? It's a great wealth question to look at. It is big time, big time. All right, number four is they perceive saving the same as investing. In other words, okay, well, I'm not having a consumptive lifestyle, so I have money left over and I'm deploying it into a bank or something along those lines, or potentially even stocks. And by the way, I'm, I'm, all, for, I'm all for stocks. I personally will go to the adage of what am I going to invest in? I'm going to invest in real estate because I have a competitive advantage on it. Yeah. But notice, notice the types of returns, how different they are when we're investing in real estate. Now, by the way, that 15% return is in an average market. We know that because of a because of appreciation, because of debt pay down, and because of cash flow creation, right now that number is way above fifteen percent. But that's in an average market is fifteen percent. Where else are you going to get those kind of returns with also having the safety that real estate provides? Next one is that people ask the question, should I versus where? where? Remember I said earlier, the poor people let fear stop them. The wealthy people, the wealthy mindset says, I'm going to act in spite of my fear. I don't, I'm scared. I'm nervous, but I'm going to make the decision to figure out where am I buying rather than should I buy? The answer is yes, you should buy, especially if you're in real estate. Six, they don't spend any time on it, right? They're so busy trying to maximize their active income. They're not putting any meaningful or purposeful time on what is their strategic plan to be able to build it. All right, next, shifting uh, shifting gears completely, completely going outside of the real estate investing space. Let's talk about the concept of vertical integration, which is an amazing uh, option for those of you guys that are- I just wrote it up. I just started writing it up here. Ah, sweet. You knew where I was going. And, and true story, just never seen these slides. He did not know where I was going. Vertical integration, one of the most powerful mechanisms that we have in the real estate space. And vertical integration is basically this concept of understanding, okay, every time we service a client, we make a commission check. But how many other entities get paid by that same consumer? Think about it. every time there's a real estate transaction, right? There's a commission check that comes out. There's a title policy. Uh, uh, there's home repairs that need to be made. There's a mortgage that often has to be written. There's insurance that has to be taken out. There's all these different levels that get monetized. Who says you can't have your hand in all of those cookie jars? So vertical integration is the idea of saying, okay, well, how do I monetize at multiple levels 
multiple levels, the same consumer transaction. Well, guys, we have an amazing opportunity. Now, I know that Jeff and I, because of our real estate businesses, we've been able to just say, hey, we're going to take all the sales from those real estate businesses and we're going to deploy them into our other businesses where we can receive proceeds from that. Yet every single person on this call, regardless of the size of the business, has this type of opportunity. Think of the other things that, that go on in a real estate transaction. There's cleaning services, sign installation, inspections, contractors, transaction coordination, staging services, marketing, video services, landscaping. Yep. There are so many opportunities to create affiliated businesses where you can direct your consumer to them, do it, follow, you know, CFPB and RESPA and compliance and all that, but where we can direct them to utilize our services and then we get to monetize that concept. Now, really quick, because we're not going to be able to go as deep as I'd like to on this, is if you think you don't have enough units to direct business to it, then guess what? Do one of two things. Go find another agent in your, in your uh, marketplace and partner with them so that you do have enough units. Or two, go find an expert in that field, right? Open up an inspection company. I know nothing about inspectors. I'm going to go find a great inspector and say, hey, we're going to partner on this 50-50. I'll send all my business to you so that I'll help seed the business. Yep. You go figure out how to go market the services to other people and we'll split the profits. All right, we'll split the profits. Last thing, um, Jeff, and I'll switch back to you uh, because we wanted to give a few different ways to make uh, to make other services of income. Well, this just, is one of my favorites. A, let me just put a quick bow on this, yep. on this conversation. Notice that all of those businesses all tie into real estate. Uh, there's nothing on there that says open a toy store. There's nothing on there that says go buy a gas station. Although I guess you could buy it. That's real estate. So we, we that one might count. Uh, there's nothing on there that says go open a restaurant. And, and the reason for that is because not only do you have a competitive advantage of what you know, but in this particular example, you have a guaranteed percentage of revenue right? In each one of these categories, because they tie into your real estate business, your real estate brokerage, your real estate, whatever, you have a guarantee on a percentage of revenue, meaning you know you're going to have enough revenue to at least help with the startup costs or at least infuse the business with some cash to get started. And that's what I love about that method. Yep, that's right. All right, shifting gears completely again, right? Because we're, we're trying to go broad. I said we go broad rather than deep. This is one of my favorite ones and it's so underutilized. It's such a massive massive, massive opportunity. It's the idea of building wealth on other people's money. People say, say to me, hey, I want to build a big real estate portfolio. I'm like, awesome. How are you going to get there? I'm like, well, I'll do it one by one, piece by piece. I'm like, okay, there's nothing wrong with that strategy. Could you accelerate it? And this idea is to build wealth on other people's money. Uh, here's what it looks like. Here's what it looks like. Maybe you run a real estate team. Maybe you run a brokerage. Maybe you need to partner with a couple of people. That's totally cool. But what if you were to create a real estate portfolio fund? In other words, people could invest into your fund. You go out and buy real estate and make money for them. Here's what it looks like. In, in, in currently, based on current laws right now, you can put together a real estate fund for up to 35 non-accredited investors. For those of you running a team, running a brokerage, take your top people and say, hey, let's pool our money together. And now let's go, let's go buy that strip center that none of us could afford individually. All right. And what I love about the 35 number is because I get it in running a team and running a brokerage, maybe not a lot of your agents have a lot of money set up. So this is something you could go, hey, 10,000 here, 10,000 there, 5,000 there, up to 35, you're going to build a lot of wealth pretty quickly. Going to build a lot of wealth. But Jeff, it gets better, right? If you're running a team, you're running a brokerage, something along those lines, what an amazing retention tool. Because think about it. Hey, we're going to pull our money together. But by the way, if you leave the business, you lose your capital investment. 
Mm -hmm. Talk about putting some golden handcuffs for those of you guys that really want to increase in, uh, retention. What a great opportunity for that. It can also be a great value add for your SOI and past clients. So, so we have conversations with, with our people. We're teaching them wealth building. And oh, by the way, you can go do this yourself or you can just partner with us. We'll do all the heavy work because we're the experts. You just fund, you just fund the, the capital. But here's the, here's the piece I really love, Jeff. Uh, in addition to be able to build a, a massive real estate portfolio, there's an additional revenue stream here. Because guess what? Because you're running the fund, you're going to charge an asset management fee right off the top. In other words, we'll buy the properties and we'll manage everything. We're going to charge 5% right off the top to, act, to, to manage it. So we've got another revenue stream. Plus, we get to collect commissions on every transaction. So now we have two revenue streams, all while putting our money into a partnership that builds yep. long-term wealth. It's a huge opportunity there. So and Jeff, by the way, you don't you can set this up however you want. You don't have to collect all of the commissions, right? You might have an understanding, like I'll tell you in, in some of my commercial building, it's just an understanding that 50% of the commissions go to me and 50% go to the fund. It doesn't have to be, right? You can set it up however you want, but you should have a management fee and you should collect a portion of the commissions because it's your idea. It's your strategy. It's your it's your portfolio, right? Yeah. So you're getting paid three ways. You're getting paid in the returns. You're getting paid in the asset management. You're getting paid in the, in, in the commissions, all while being able to use other people's money to be able to do that. Now, Jeff, I wish we could have gone deeper today. I mean, you gave me 40 minutes to, to kind of get as much content out. Um, I know that you and I and, and a couple others are, are really passionate on the wealth building journey and, and, and yeah. how do specifically do real estate agents do it? And so we put together a class, uh, a group coaching set, uh, segment that we're really, really excited about. Do you mind if I go really quickly through what's going to be in yeah, the class? Yeah, let's do it. Yep, I know right, we're, Let's do uh, that. We'll give, we'll give some more information. Let me go through that pretty quickly. All right, here's the things we're going to be covered. For those of you that are ready to, to say, I want to plant the oak tree today. I'm going to start the journey today. I am going to understand it may not be urgent today, but if I don't do it, I'll never get there. Here's the things we're going to be covering in the class is how to structure, prioritize, and negotiate your debt pay down. Listen to me carefully. If you are in debt, you are still a few steps away from being able to build wealth. We're going to talk about how you actually do those things. Next, and by the way, for those, whether you're interested in attending what we're talking about or not, you should still write these down because <laughs> yeah. you can, you, you know, write them down as a list for yourself to go work on. So it's not just, oh, hey, they're going to tell me about this great class. No. We're telling you about this great class because these are the things you should be working on. So stick with us and write these down. That's right. So the next one is to how to toggle then between cash journey activities and wealth building activities. So I'm going to share specifically where I spend and allocate my time to where I'm figuring, okay, how do I drive cash, which then I can then deploy into wealth building activities? How do I, how do I spend my time or allocate my time? So I'm making sure I'm keeping my, my, my foot on the throttle on both. Mm -hmm. The next is how to in, how to determine what asset class to invest in. People always say, well, what are the different types of things that you're investing in? And so what we're going to teach is how do you actually make that determination again so that you have a competitive advantage? We are not gambling here. We are not speculating. We are using what we know. Second, or that's going to be the fourth is how to evaluate investment opportunities and how to determine which one is the best. So in this class, we're actually going to teach you how to run the numbers. Like we're actually going to get into the nuances of how do I actually look at a real estate investment opportunity and know if it's a good deal. Other than the price seems good, we're going to be able to actually make that determination because yeah. here's where it's really important is there may be multiple good deals, but one of them out of all of them is better. We have to be able to pick the best one. We have to be able to pick the best one. Next, uh, we're going to show you how to guarantee that every business you own makes a profit. This is one of my favorites. Right now, it may be easy to make a profit. It won't always be. We're going to share some, some sound principles to guarantee every 
business you own makes a profit. Next, we're going to understand some of the tax strategies. I said this earlier, and I mean this. My goal every year is to pay 0% in taxes, and I am not cheating on my taxes. I am not. Everything I am doing is in the IRS code. It is completely permissible. It's just not common knowledge. In fact, I'm going to be careful here, but I would say if you're paying any more than single digit tax rates, um, you are not making sound decisions. We'll just leave it at that. There's there's some other words I can think of. We're going to talk about how you do that. How do you make sure you're never paying more than single digit tax rates? And, and Matt, has already, yep. Matt has already agreed to share his tax returns. Yes, absolutely. Everything we are doing is 100% above board, IRS approved. I am happy to be audited at any point. I I mean that sincerely. Um, uh, Next, we're going to talk about how to use other people's money. So we talked about putting together a real estate fund. We talked about using debt. We're going to talk specifically, how do you actually incorporate that? How do you actually utilize it? Uh, Next, how do you build a team of wealth building advisors? Guys, this is one of the most neglected skills is to get into business with the right people. I told you, like, I I, I don't want to ever pay more than single digit tax rates. Well, guess what? I couldn't have done that on my own. It's because I have the right CPA, because I have the right attorney. It's because I'm I'm surrounding myself with the people to understand wealth building principles. I'm not just going to the local CPA down the street. That's just I'm another number to them. And then the last broad thing that we're going to talk about is how do we actually shield ourselves from liability? The more wealth you make, the bigger the risk you are, the bigger a target you are. How do we actually structure our different entities and our wealth building vehicles so that we're protecting ourselves? Should it, should we ever get sued or should there be some sort of claim? How do we make sure that we are able to shield us from any of that potential liability? That's a huge one. Yeah, that's a huge one. All right, Jeff. That was so a lot. If, if, yep. Yes. If I want to take what I learned today and apply it, but really get to the next level, what you're sharing is we have put together a 16-week course that dives deep into all of these topics. So our hope today was that you got something you can go apply, whether you join us for this course or not. We always want you to get value from these webinars. But at the same time, we know a certain percentage you are, are on because you've asked us, hey, when are you guys going to do a wealth building program? So here's how you get information on the program. It's super simple. You text the word money to 55444, just like you did in the beginning. You texted the word morning to get signed up for the daily text messages. Text the word money to 55444. It doesn't sign you up. It just gets you the information for the program. Now, this is a 16-week course, 45-minute sessions plus live Q&A. So it's not just sitting and watching videos, you're actually interacting. Can you talk to a little bit about that, Matt? Because you've been doing, you know, group coaching programs for a while now. So I know, you know, you know, you you, you know how to run a good program. Yeah. You know, with me, I've always said that we're always going to cap attendance and we're going to cap attendance at the number of people that I believe I can actually interact with. Mm-hmm. So if I bring 200 people into this, guess what? I can't interact with everyone at the level that I want to. Um, and that's really important to me because it's great to get the content through the webinars, But Jeff, you know, my purpose, you know, my passion is to help people develop their unreal life. And so I feel like I can do that when I can actually pour directly into the ones that are there in the class. Yeah. So it's, it's not just you talking for the entire time. I mean, you open it up for questions, you have discussions. I mean, I'm really excited because this is the first time we've ever offered it. And, you know, for those of you that have been following Glover U for a while, you know, because you've heard me say from the stage, we never share or put out anything until it has proven in our world. That relates to business, that relates to sales, and in this particular case, that relates to wealth building. 
We were not going to launch Glover U with a wealth building program until we took these principles, applied them ourselves, and actually proved that we can get profits from these different revenue streams or that we can save money using this, these tax strategies. So if you're wondering why it's taken so long, because obviously we've been, we've been doing this for a while, that's why. We needed to prove these concepts before we could take it to the public. And you've got the perfect guy to walk you through that in Matt, as that is, of course, his wheelhouse. So it starts, I believe, Mar first week of uh, last week of uh, February which is, I think, March 1st or March 2nd. I think this one's March 1st. Yep, so March, on 1st, March 1st. 3 yep, o'clock Eastern, but they're yep. all recorded. They're all recorded yep. and sent out each week as well. Awesome. $3.99 a month for four months. So I don't know, I mean, $1,600, you'll probably save that in one month of, of the tax strategies that he's going to share with you. So take advantage of that of that price because I know to get this type of level of education, you know, programs today are, you know, $2,700, $5,400. You got to sign year-long contracts, four months, $3.99 a month. You get 45 minutes live each and every week, plus the opportunity to bring scenarios and ask questions. Again, text Jeff, the word money. Jeff, Jeff, yeah, go ahead. just the tax content, we paid $17,000 to acquire that information. So you paid 17 grand to get this advice, and you're going to share that exact advice with everyone who signs up for, for $3.99 a month. So uh, we're undercharging. That's what I'm realizing here. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's happening, Matt, is you're trying to get that 17 grand back. I understand. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, I've already gotten it back. I've already gotten it back in tax. I bet you so it's fun to pass that on. I bet. All right, good. Well, go to GloverU.com if you want more information or just simply text the word money to 55444 for information on the program and make sure regardless of where your personal finances are today, you need to start thinking about this, even if you don't feel like you're in the right position. Yeah. And honestly, I think, Matt, you'd probably agree with this. If you don't feel like you're in the right position, then that probably means you should be signing up for this because that's it's right. Even you. if you are in debt right now, listen, I've been there. I get it. I understand. I know that pain. And the, the, the thing is, when you make the commitment to sign up today, you get to start that journey. You're only yeah. a few changes away from being able to build wealth. Yeah. And we're going to, as Matt said, we're going to cap the class. We cap every single one of the classes. You guys are the very first ones to learn about it. We haven't announced it to anyone. So you're going to get first picks. For, for those of you that want to join us, make sure you get signed up for it as soon as you can before it's full. And for the rest of you, Wednesday, same place, same time, social media strategies. We're jumping back into sales for listings and buyers, social media strategies with Coach Greg Erlinger and I. We've updated the material from our last se segment because we got some new things that are working at a super high level right now. We appreciate all of you joining us on this winter webinar series. Take advantage of those free resources in your workbook. Go get into Matt's class and we'll see you on Wednesday. Have a good rest of your day, guys. Thank you for taking your time to join Jeff today on the Live Unreal with Glover U podcast. To get started on having an unreal business, take the real estate self-assessment. After you complete the assessment, a member of Glover U will get on a call with you to create an action plan to improve your score. Go to www.gloveru.com self. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. Search for Live Unreal with Glover U on iTunes, Podbean, or Spotify and subscribe today. Until next time.